In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. Feel like, oh, if you're too profitable, you're a bad person. And especially as women, we need to get over that mm. because the more money that we can make, the more money we can share and we can help other people. Mm. So the sense of guilt of profit is bad and you're a nasty person if you make profit. I just, I really want people to feel that that's not okay. Profit is good. Mm. Woo. Isn't that a good word from Wendy Barlin? She is a CPA. She's absolutely incredible. Brought so much knowledge to this episode today. And she's really walking us through understanding taxes, especially if you are a small business owner or interested in having a small business or starting a small business. One of the biggest, scariest things I think for so many is this feeling of, I don't feel equipped when it comes to the legal side, but also the financial side. And I don't know what to do. And I don't want the IRS and the government to come after me. SOS, what do I do? Wendy is walking us through some really helpful steps, really helping us understand things like what is an S corporation? What is a tax deduction versus a tax credit? How do I know how much to pay myself? And so many more really informative answers to really good questions, many of which were sent in by you and this community. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Wendy Barlin. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Wendy, welcome to She. Thank you. Fabulous to be here. Uh, Fabulous to have you, my friend. I am so thrilled to get to dive into all things taxes. It doesn't sound very fun, but this is a conversation or a topic that we get asked a lot about. And so I wanted to have a conversation about it. Before we dive too deep into all the nitty gritty, though, I would love if you can share a little bit of your background and what led you to become a CPA in the first place. Thank you. So I know that most little girls don't grow up wanting to be a CPA. Most people want to be a princess, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, so I yes, I wanted, I wanted to be a princess too. I grew up in South Africa and it was a very kind of old school in that my mom did not work. And I watched my dad control all the money. Mm. And my mom never had a say in what she could spend, what we could spend, choices. By the time I was 12 years old, I knew that I was going to do things differently. I was going to have a career where I could always control my own money Mm. and make my own choices and never have to ask anyone else for cash to buy shoes. Mm. I I just, it was so important to me to have choices. So as much as I wanted to be the princess in the white dress waiting to get swept off my feet, I was much more practical. And I chose a career that I knew would always allow me to support myself. So I went to school to become an accountant. And then uh, in my early 20s, South Africa was not a great place to be. It was very scary, very dangerous. So I packed a bag and I backpacked around the world for a year by myself. 
And I loved Los Angeles. I just loved it. And I decided to stay. Never went home. Arrived with nothing but a bag of dirty clothes. Wow. What a story. (laughs) And you've been in Los Angeles ever since. Wow. I have. I have. I mean, I've lived in a couple of other places, but I always tend to come back here because Uh of the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And the excitement in the city just always draws me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just worked in many different businesses. I've bought and sold businesses. I've bought and sold homes. And everything I teach my clients is what I have learned myself. Mm-hmm. This is not book smarts. This mm-hmm. is not going to Ivy League. This is mm-hmm. me learning with my bag of dirty clothes yeah. how to make the American system work for me. And that's what I teach my clients. I love that. I love that it's really hard-won knowledge through experience, not just not just books, you know, book knowledge, but also life knowledge and hard-won yeah. experiences. I'm, I mean, that's so necessary. It's kind of the gritty side of you know, building financial independence and, and learning how to navigate all the things adulthood throws our way, right? Um, right. But <laughs> with that, I would love to know. So we've got a mix of women with all sorts of different careers and vocations and everything in our audience. But I would love if we can tap into a little bit of the how the tax, how taxes work and just some of these more logistical questions. These are things especially a lot of our entrepreneurial uh, listeners are wondering about or even those who may have an inkling and want to start something of their own down the road or have a side hustle. So maybe the best place to start would be to ask, can you share the difference between growing revenue and growing profit? And what steps can especially business owners take to grow profit? I would love if you can tap into that. We've been asked that question quite a bit. Wow, I love that. So revenue is the top line. That's the money that comes in the door. And unfortunately, we all seem to be driven to get the biggest revenue we can, the most number of clients, the biggest dollars. And there's almost an ego-driven thing, right? I hear it's like, I'm going to get to a million. I'm going to get to 5 million. I'm going to get to 10 million. And what does that mean? I have clients who bring in $10 million that make less money at the end of the day after taxes than those of you who make 100000 mm. So what you're alluding to is exactly right. People spend so much time chasing the top line, chasing the revenue. How much money do you charge your clients for your goods or services? That's your revenue number. But then you have bills to pay. Mm-hmm. And many of us, me included, Become like a fish in a fishbowl. And the bigger the bowl, the more we spend. So the one thing that I've learned is that just getting more money, just earning more money does not solve the problem. In fact, in some cases, it makes it worse. Three years ago, I worked so hard. I doubled my revenue. I thought I was hot stuff. Mm. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, I worked it all. Mm-hmm. You know what happened by the end of the year? You know what was left in my bank account? Mm. A big fat zero. Mm. Why? Because I was spending as much as I was making. Yeah. So imagine you bring in all this revenue, but now you need a bigger car. Mm. You need a better cell phone plan. You need to hire three people. You need And the needs just grow and grow and grow as quickly as the revenue so that Mm -hmm. there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. So what now we're asking clients to do is to start with the end in mind. How much money do you want to take home? Mm -hmm. Okay, now, what are the expenses that you realistically need to incur in order to run this business? Mm -hmm. Now add that on and now figure out how much revenue do you need Mm -hmm. 
to sustain this plan. Mm -hmm. So instead of starting with the ego number of revenue, start with the bottom line number. Mm -hmm. How much money do I need to support my lifestyle? Mm -hmm. And back into how much do I need to make? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And I love that you're suggesting working backwards because you're right. I mean, I know in the online world, especially I think in general, this can happen, but especially in the online world where so many other people's success stories are right in front of our faces and we're constantly seeing ads and we're seeing people say things like, I had a six figure launch, right? It's like, what does that actually mean though? Because (laughs) that can sound really glamorous and sexy, but until you actually peel back the curtain and expose, oh, 94,000 of that was expenses. Okay. That's, that makes more sense now why you're like, a lot of people don't know the whole picture, right? And that doesn't mean that that's always the case, but my point is, I think sometimes we can just see this overarching sound bite that sounds, ooh, I want to be able to do that. And we don't actually work based off of what are our needs, even when it comes to pricing. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but a lot of times people right. price based off of, oh, I saw so-and-so charges this much, so I should charge that much. And it's like, right. well, what do you actually need though? Right? So it comes back down to that. So I, I love that you suggested starting with the end in mind. Now, when it comes to our taxes specifically, can you share a few steps that we can take to minimize? And I know this is like a big question because it varies per state and there's all these different laws, but are there a few kind of general rules of thumb maybe that you could suggest um, even asking an accountant about in order to increase profit and in, in order to really maximize the hard work that we've done? Are there any of those kind of generally applying rules or things to even look into and ask our accountant about depending on where we live that might be able to help with that? So I love that you're suggesting ask your accountant because every Monday morning, my phone rings off the hook with people who have heard something at a dinner party, mm-hmm. Googled something, oh, scary, mm-hmm. or heard it on the golf course or at the gym. Mm-hmm. So please don't ever believe what your neighbors and your friends are telling you about tax deductions. Mm-hmm. People like to brag, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not paying any taxes. I deduct my kids' school fees. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to jail with those people. Mm-hmm. So like Jordan was saying, what you want to do is ask your accountant, please mm-hmm. do not go to Google for the answer to your personal tax questions. Mm -hmm. The rule of thumb, no matter what entity you are or choose, or if you don't have an entity and you're a sole proprietor, everybody gets the same tax deductions. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. No matter what entity you choose or whether you are unincorporated at all, everybody gets the same tax deductions. And this is why. I'm going to save you four years of going to college right here. (laughs) Perfect. Tax law says, Anything is deductible for your business that is ordinary and necessary. Four years of college, I just saved you right there. Ordinary and necessary. That's what tax law says. So as you go through your day, any dollar that you spend, say to yourself, could this be ordinary and necessary for my business? And let's think about how broad that is. I have a client who has a little white shih tzu dog, you know, those little white fluffy things. She deducts all the expenses to keep her dog in beautiful order. Mm. Ordinarily, I would say, what? Are you nuts? Mm. This is her perspective. Her dog is on her website. Mm. Her dog is her mascot. Her dog (laughs) goes with her to appointments. Mm. She got audited one year for something else, not for the dog. She got audited for something else. And she got a full clear audit. All those pet expenses were allowed. Ordinary and necessary for your business. However, it wouldn't be the IRS if there weren't howevers. However, mm-hmm. there are a couple of big no-nos that I need everyone to hear. The one no-no is country club dues. Mm-hmm. 
The other no-no is gym fees. Mm -hmm. And the third no-no is clothing. And this is one I have a big fight with people about. Mm -hmm. Just because you want to look nice, the IRS doesn't care. Not deductible. Mm -hmm. To make clothing deductible, it has to have your brand or your logo on it. So those are the three items that are not deductible. However, everything else that you can make a case for being ordinary and necessary is deductible for your business. Ordinary and necessary. Those are the words, correct? Yes. Okay. Write those down, guys. Um, I love that. Okay. Very, very helpful. I would love to also, you mentioned this, and so this leads me into my next question. You just set me up perfectly there, Wendy. Um, you said a lot of times you'll have clients reach out to you and say things like, I heard this on the golf course or at, at the gym or my friend shared X, Y, and Z. So that to me sounds like a common mistake a lot of people make where we just tend to listen to what other people tell us and assume that that's, uh, that uh, applies to us. That said, what are some other common mistakes that you see, especially what that you see business owners make when trying to manage their cash flow? And what are your top tips for avoiding those mistakes? I see people trying to throw money at a problem, mm. spend their way out of situations, especially when you're talking about the virtual world mm-hmm. and um, my tech entrepreneurs. They're spending so much money in online ads Mm. with any kind of tracking system on the back end to show what's working Mm. and what's not with the idea that you just keep spending your way out of a hole and that doesn't work. You have got to have real-time tracking. What are you spending and what is it bringing in? Is it working? Mm. And if it's not, let's change our strategy. I see a lot of people throwing money at uh, consultants and advisors hoping for a magic pill. There's no magic pill. I was on Weight Watchers for years. Believe me, there's no magic pill. Mm -hmm. You got to do the work. Mm -hmm. You got to understand how does your business make money? Mm -hmm. And that's what you do. There's no magic in this stuff. I wish there was, Mm -hmm. but there isn't. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend that if you are going to throw money at an advisor or a consultant. Mm -hmm. I I love them, Mm -hmm. but be very wise about what you really need Mm -hmm. in order to take your business, your finances, your cash to the next level. Mm -hmm. We never want to work with people who say they're consultants and charge by the hour. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. If I am helping you with an issue, I cannot be charging you by the hour. I need you to call me all the time. Mm -hmm. I need you to email me all the time. I cannot be charging you by the hour. So be very clear about where you spend your dollars and what you hope to gain Mm. from those dollars. Because too often, I just see people say, well, if I pay $95,000 for a launch, it must be a good launch. Mm -hmm. If I pay $5,000, the launch is not going to be any good. And I have Mm -hmm. found that to not necessarily be true. Yeah, same. (laughs) I've learned that the hard way, Wendy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's so good. And I, what did you say? You said, I want to make sure I say this correctly. You said, understand what creates money for your business rather than throwing money what you think the problem is. How do, how do people do that? How do they get clear on that? Do you have any, um, have you seen anything work in helping people identify like, oh, this is how I can actually make money rather than just, because a lot of, I think this is what happens. And this is what I interpreted from what you said. A lot of small business owners think, oh my gosh, I need more marketing, right? And they're like, I just need more more and more customers. And if I've learned anything, especially with having a a wide, large audience, sometimes the answer isn't more. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. the answer is 
better, like not necessarily better right. people, but like better quality product, a clearer message, more focus, right? Like higher, right. you know, return customers, like ongoing, like it sometimes is better to have less volume and more loyalty than just more volume and people who don't really have a lot of loyalty to what you do. I don't know if you've seen that a whole lot, but I have learned that. And I think you're so right in that sometimes we just throw money, like I just got to get more people. I got to do ads. Like, And there's nothing wrong with doing ads, right? There's nothing wrong with trying to get in front of new people. But I think if we actually have something that's truly solving a problem in high quality, it can be something that generates income even with a teeny tiny reach, even with a small community on the internet or in general, just a small customer base. I know people who have incredibly successful businesses with seven clients total. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, I think that perspective is necessary. And sometimes it makes us have to go, okay, maybe I need to shift the way I'm thinking about or what I'm even selling. Maybe in order for this to be sustainable, I need to think about what I should sell that would allow that to be the case. I don't know. So I'm curious if you've seen any, anything help with that when, when people find themselves stuck in that kind of cycle. I think this circles back around to where we started, you know, talking about chasing revenue. One of the very first things I have clients do when they work with me is make a list of everybody you worked with over the last six months and let's work out which were your most profitable 10%, not that paid you the most, which were the most profitable. And I will tell you that nine times out of 10 people don't know. Mm. They don't know who's their most profitable client. They know who pays them the most. They know who they like working with, Mm -hmm. but they don't know who's the most profitable. And so I challenge everybody today to bring out a pencil and paper. And this is not complicated, fancy accounting stuff. Mm -hmm. This is pencil and paper stuff. Mm -hmm. Who have you worked with? What were the costs of working with those people? Time and money. And now what did you profit of every single one of those clients? Then look back and go, ah, this client is my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. I profited more from them. They were nicer. Mm -hmm. And it was a fun engagement. Then that is your perfect client and you go and get more of those. Mm -hmm. I go through that process every year, actually. This is not a one and done. I do this every year in October. I look at the last trailing 12 months of my clients. I say, who was the most profitable? Who was the nicest to work with? And then we go get more of those. Mm -hmm. And that is where you spend your money. Mm, That's good. That's really good. Woo. Okay. Very helpful. I need to do that. Wow. I think we all need to do that. That's so helpful. Every year. It's not a one and done. Yeah. I mean, that's an ongoing growth exercise, right? I mean, I think no one can bat a hundred every single time, but it's getting closer and closer to the market understanding because it really comes down to, I mean, if we can talk about this from even a heart centered perspective, not only a financial perspective, sure. but you know, I look at it through the lens of not only from like what I said with the finances, but identifying how am I and why am I doing the things that I'm doing? This is something that, you know, walking through hard seasons for me and it's shifted how I view business and success and all the things, you know, I can get my hand in a lot of pies really quickly. Like I have a lot of big ideas. I I naturally will start taking on a lot of projects and I have to look at it through the lens of, okay, which projects not only are the most profitable in terms of money, but also in terms of purpose, in terms of kind of what you shared about like enjoyment and giving you life and not being something that's burning you out, being something right. that's dry, like drying you out and just making it, making you miserable because then you can't show up and serve well. You don't come to the table with the value and the transformations that you can create for people. And I think just for, for anybody, I think this is, we have a lot of multi-passionate women in my audience and, um, they, you know, they're a lot like me where they have a lot of different big ideas or they run a couple different businesses and can really begin to feel like, 
they're just stretched so thin. And I've walked through that season so many times in my life and it really came down to prioritization. And I think what you were sharing about the client, I think that can also apply to projects. You know, maybe it's not a service-based entrepreneur. Instead, it's someone who's selling products. Okay. Identify which projects are wearing you out, dragging you down, not, not fiscally wise and not allowing you to be a good steward to begin with. Those are going to make, those are going to be projects you just don't do well and you don't see the results you know you're capable of on. So I love that you brought that up because I think it's so applicable to not only the area of money, but so many other things, especially the, the why behind what we're doing. And the people who bring you down, you know, I could, my worksheet could show that my three most profitable clients are actually nasty people mm, yeah. or worse, the people who are nice to me and nasty to my team. Mm-hmm. That's that. I don't care how profitable that is. Yeah. That is never going to feed your soul. Mm-hmm. And talking about heart-based businesses that, you know, that's a big part of why we get up every morning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. So wise. Okay. I love that. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. 
Another thing that we often get asked, um, we have a good number of women in our audience who are small business owners, and they've asked a lot of questions on how to properly handle taxes and finances for their business. And I'd love to get your insight into some of their questions, if that's okay. These are directly from our audience. Um, sure. Awesome. Okay, good. So the first one is, do I actually need to hire someone to do my taxes? If I can't afford a CPA, what resources or programs are available to help me manage my taxes and finances as a beginner? I would love to get your take on that. Well, I love the online software you can get today. Tax Cut, Tax Pro, uh-huh. all these softwares that are online. The difference between spending money on an accountant or using one of those softwares is that those softwares will never get you in trouble. They're not going to make any aggressive stances. Your taxes are going to be accurately and cleanly filed. Mm-hmm. Will you get the very best in tax deductions? Unlikely, likely not. So the difference of what an accountant does is that I play in the ordinary and necessary. So I look at your financial statements and I say, okay, this looks a little low. This looks a little high. Can we play in this area? And we have that discussion of risk, reward, uh, how much will you save? What would the benefit be? But if you don't have the money to pay for someone who's going to do that with you, then I highly recommend that you at least get started with one of these wonderful softwares that walks you through the process that will ask you the questions. What did you spend on meals? How many miles did you drive? Follow the system and your tax return will be accurate. In my opinion, that is better than going to a bad accountant. And when I say a bad accountant, what I mean is someone where you drop off your package of stuff once a year or you email them your QuickBooks file once a year, they slap out a tax return. They say, sign here, you owe $5,000, thank you, and goodbye. Mm-hmm. That is not worth your money. Mm-hmm. I would prefer you use a software. Mm-hmm. If you're going to work with an accountant that you're going to pay for, it needs to be someone who actually looks at the numbers with you, talks to you, understands your business, understands your life, then I think the dollars that you're paying are extremely valuable. Mm, Yeah, that's good. Really helpful. So think about that if you're listening. Um, Really identify your needs. And I mean, Wendy, what I did my first year of business is I used the QuickBooks system to track all my finances, to keep everything as orderly as I could, even though I'm not a numbers brain. And at the end of the year, I asked my parents and I said, Hey, do you have anyone who could file this just so I know it's done well? I didn't, I didn't have the funds to pay for someone to really be my accountant and consultant. And, yeah. Right? Consultant as well. But I just wanted to know it was filed correctly. And that was a much more affordable way for me to have peace of mind, but pretty much manage it all myself. Then as my revenue grew and as my company grew, I was able to then hire an accountant that's much more involved in my operations and the daily, weekly decisions. And so if someone, if you're listening and you find yourself in that position, that is a great place to start. And you're right. It's so much better to have something simple than to have, you know, someone who's completely disengaged totally. So there's, there's multiple options there. I love that answer. Okay. Next question is how do I determine how much to pay myself? And do you have any best practices on where to begin? So this is very tricky question and really depends on the kind of entity that you are. I think the question that someone's probably alluding to mm-hmm. is that if your entity structure is an S corporation, S as in Sam, S corporations are required to issue their owners a reasonable salary. Again, that's what the law says. Nice and broad, right? Reasonable salary. 
And this is where business owners run into trouble. Mm -hmm. There is no finite answer on that. Mm -hmm. You do need to issue yourself a salary if you own an S corporation. Mm -hmm. How much is a very gray area. And that's where working closely with your accountant is absolutely critical. Can you briefly explain the S corporation? Because we've had many people ask about the difference between that um, and an LLC and how that affects taxes. Right. So as I said earlier, the deductions are the same, ordinary and necessary, whatever's ordinary and necessary for your business is deductible. The real issue becomes that LLCs are tax, the bottom line of a profit at the end of the day of an LLC, mm-hmm. 100% of that pays Social Security and Medicare tax. Mm-hmm. So everybody pays in federal and state income tax, right? No problem. We all get that part. The difference between the LLC and the S corporation is primarily in the issue of Social Security and Medicare tax, which runs about 16%, one six. An LLC pays Social Security and Medicare tax on all of their taxable income, but an S corporation only pays the 16% on a part of their net income. Mm -hmm. And that's why many people choose to move to an S corporation when their taxable income hits about a hundred thousand. I usually tell people when you're at a hundred thousand in profit on the bottom of your Mm PL, that's when you want to talk to someone about what are my choices now Mm -hmm. to save some tax money. Mm -hmm. But that being said, S corporations come with a lot of headache. Mm -hmm. So I have some multi-million dollar clients that have never gone the S corporation route because they just don't want the headache. They don't want the extra paperwork. They've got busy lives. They're happy to pay taxes. They want to make money. Just leave me alone to do my thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of additional paperwork, a lot of legal requirements if you decide to take on the S corporation. So please understand that like most things, there's a benefit and a cost. And it's very important that you sit down and do that cost benefit analysis. Mm -hmm. I did it with a client this morning. And she chose to go the S-Corp route, but only after taking into account all the extra paperwork and documentation and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, I had to learn a lot about the S-Corp and I was at first really overwhelmed by it. And as people's businesses and small businesses begin to grow, we've had many people reach out and ask for guidance on it. So I'm really glad that you outlined kind of how that works. Okay, next question is... How do I need or how do I know what to set aside for taxes? I would personally argue like this is something you have to talk to your accountant about. But is there any general rule of thumb? Like what guidance can you provide to someone who just is asking, how do I know how like how to figure out how much I need to set aside for taxes? Yeah. So there's so many things that go into that. Some of it is uh, where you live in the country, right? Based on your city, state, and local taxes. Some of it is based on whether you're single or married or head of household. How do you file your taxes? Everybody's rates are different. So that unfortunately is something where you really do need to sit down with your accountant and figure that out. Mm -hmm. There is not a one size fits all for that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, there you go. I'm just with jumping through these questions really quickly. So next question that our audience has asked is, do I need to pay taxes quarterly? Is it required? So it again, it depends. Isn't my life fun? It always depends. It always depends. <laughs> it, always depends. it really um, depends on your situation. So generally, most small business owners do pay quarterly estimated taxes. 
The rule is that if you pay 110% of last year's taxes, you are what's called penalty proof. So let's assume that last year you owed 50,000 in taxes and you paid it. This year, you need to pay in 110% of 50,000. If you owe 60, the government is not going to penalize you for underpaying. But I will tell you, the penalties are not large. And most of my business owners choose to hang on to their cash Mm -hmm. and only pay it when they absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. So some of it is strategy. And one of the things that I always ask clients is, how risk averse are you? Mm -hmm. Does paying penalties hurt your stomach? And then we decide. Because I have some people who say to me, never want to get a letter. I never want to pay a dollar in penalty. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you have to do, but you have to make that happen. And then there are other people who say to me, I don't like to pay taxes. I'm not paying them until I absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. If I have to pay penalties, that's fine. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more about you looking in the mirror and understanding your risk tolerance, Mm -hmm. your dollar appreciation, and then find an accountant who can make the tax situation work for your specific needs. Me personally, I have a tax savings account. I put my percentage of money in there. Every week, I don't look at it. Mm-hmm. And come December, Christmas time, I send it over to the government one time a year. And yeah, sometimes I incur a couple of hundred bucks in taxes. But as a business, I mean, sorry, I apologize as penalties. As a business owner, I like knowing my money is sitting there. My biggest fear is that I do pay in quarterly, mm-hmm. avoid the penalties. But then I have a quarter where business is bad. Oh, God forbid I get sick and I need cash. Mm-hmm. The government has it. They're not sending it back right. till next year. Right. What am I going to do? Right. So I, my peace of mind is to keep the cash in my bank account, mm-hmm. earning it's like 0.01% mm-hmm. <laughs> until I absolutely have to pay it over because it helps me feel comfortable that I have cash at my disposal. Mm. And again, it's a very personal choice. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense. I totally understand that. That's very helpful. And and again, like you said, a personal decision, but something to consider and understanding the different ways that that works makes it a lot easier to know what the right thing for you to do as a small business owner is. So thank right. you for sharing that. Okay, only a couple more questions. You good? <laughs> I'm good. I can keep talking all day. You wouldn't believe it, but taxes are actually fun. They actually are very interesting. The more that I've come to understand them, I'm like, huh, this actually is a very interesting conversation. It makes you feel empowered. Like you understand what you're doing. It's never fun. I think that's one of my biggest messages, Jordan. That's one of my biggest messages is that the old style accountant that stuck something under your nose and said, sign here, Mm -hmm. you're done, doesn't explain anything, is really offensive to our current the world that we live in now. Mm -hmm. You do not need a PhD in tax in order to understand this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, some of the words they use are really weird, Mm -hmm. but it's our responsibility to explain it to you. When you go to the doctor and he says to you, you need to take this pill. You don't just say, okay, no problem. You say, why? What are my other choices? What will it do for me? What are the side effects? Why aren't people doing that for their taxes and their money? Mm. I really, my mission is to educate, educate, educate so that business owners can make a choice for themselves Mm -hmm. rather than feel like it's this big gray, dark area Mm -hmm. called taxes. Yeah, that's good. That's what people need and that's what we need. So I'm really thankful that you do that and it's so helpful. Um, Okay, one, I'm going to go with one more question, okay? Okay. (laughs) So last one, what is the difference between tax credits and deductions? 
That's a huge difference. Okay, so deductions are dollars that get removed from your income. So let's play with an example. You bring in $100,000 this year and you have deductions, ordinary and necessary expenses, such as hiring an accountant, hiring a lawyer, paying for rent, paying people. Those are called deductions and they reduce your income. So your taxable income goes from the 100000 that you brought in down to 50000 And now you're going to pay tax on the remaining 50000 because those were deductions. Mm. Let's assume you have 50000 in taxable income. You owe $10,000 in income tax. Now you get credits. Mm. Credits, dollar for dollar, reduce your taxes whereas deductions reduce your income. Hmm. So credits will reduce the tax that you owe. They are extremely valuable. Hmm. Okay. So credits will reduce the, what did you say? The tax that you owe. Correct. And deductions. I missed that. My brain. So deductions. No, it's okay. Deductions reduce your income. Mm-hmm. but credits reduce right. your taxes. Gotcha. Okay. That was like, I know what, that, I know what you said, but I'm not saying it right backwards. Okay. <laughs> or saying it right correctly or correctly back to you. Okay. Um, really, really helpful. Wendy, this is so informative and so helpful for small business owners. And even those who may have an inkling of, I want to start a small business, but I think one of the biggest things that scares someone away when they have something small that they want to start, even on the side of their full-time job or while raising kiddos at home, one of the biggest scary things is I don't understand all the money side of it. I don't understand the how this all works. And so I'm really thankful that you walked us through this. The last thing I want to ask, this isn't one of our audience questions, but what would you say to someone who maybe is feeling a little overwhelmed by all of this? What would you say is a great first or first and second even step to take to begin really getting all of this kind of in order and starting to feel empowered in this in, in their own small business and in their own work? First thing I would say is take a breath. Mm-hmm. Take a breath. It's just money and paper. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you either read the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz or you listen to the Audible. Hmm. This book changed my life and it has changed about 75% of my clients. It is an easy, fun read, makes all the number stuff fun, and it talks about the real basic principles of cash flow and profit and how do we manage our money. And I'm part of the Profit First Network. I teach Profit First. I've implemented it myself. And for every business owner, this will change the way you see your money and it will take the stress off the table. Mm so good. Profit first. Read that. I'm going to write that down. Okay. We're going to link that in the show notes as well. But Wendy, if every if everybody who's listening is as informed and enlightened as I am, um, where can they learn more about you, learn more from you, check out your resources and um, be able to really start taking ownership in this area of their small business? I love it. Thank you. So our website is aboutprofit.com. And you're welcome to schedule a free consultation with me. I love chatting with people. Even if I can't help you, my goal is to find someone who can. Uh, I have two books on Amazon. That's deductible and never budget again. 
both light weekend reads on Amazon, uh, talk further about the kind of things we've talked about today. And lastly, I have a plethora of free resources. If anybody is interested, I have a worksheet of uh, pros and cons of incorporating. Um, I have home office deduction worksheets. I'm happy to share those with anybody that's interested. You can just go ahead and send me an email, wendy at aboutprofit.com. I'd be happy to share that with you. Awesome. Awesome. Wendy, I have to say something really quick. Did you say your book is called That's Deductible? Correct. Okay. I chuckled because I thought you were saying that buying your book would be a tax deduction for the business. Ah! (laughs) Well, it is. So I was like, and then after you said that, I was like, wait, I think she's confused why I'm laughing. That came across as really rude. So uh, LOL to that. All right. That's where we're going to wrap up today. So much fun. Wendy, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate everything that you've shared. You're most welcome. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.